Evening, everyone. It's great to see you here. Uh, give me a nice, loud whoop and a cheer if you're in Studio Church. <laughs> give me a nice, loud cheer if you are in Bedminster pop-up. If you are in Upper Hall pop-up. If you're at home, on your bed, perched with your cat, give me a massive, great, big whoop, whoop, meow. I don't know, it was a random thing. We, uh, as Alexia and um, Nigel have said, we have a series that we kind of started last week about God's plan for your life. If there was ever a moment that you needed to hear that God has a plan for your life, it's now. When our world lies in tatters around us, when our dreams have been put on pause, when our lives in so many ways have been derailed, when there is confusion and uncertainty and doubt when there is anger, when there is grief, and they're flooding our waking thoughts and our dreams at night, we need to know that God has a plan. And I want to tell you this. Clear it out. Let's restore it to its former glory. And so he puts money in. And as they go through the temple to clear it up, to restore it, to bring it back to the true worship of the God that they don't even know, someone finds this scroll an old piece of parchment in a back room underneath a whole pile of things. And they open it up and they say, hey, we think this is God's word. We think this is the law of Moses. It says this. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king. Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. In other words, they're hearing what God is saying to the people and they realize that they have gone so far, far away from it. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the secondary, secretary, and Isaiah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judea about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. And so this is a second thing that Josiah does. First of all, he seeks God's presence. And then secondly, he lives God's word. There is no big light from the sky. There's no big uh, Flash of lightning, angelic visitation. It's just one guy in imperfect situations and circumstances saying, I'm going to seek God's presence. And then when he discovers God's word, I'm going to live that word. If we get into God's word, we will surely find God's plan for our lives. I spent so much of my life as an early Christian saying, God, speak to me, guide me, lead me, give me your plan, give me your purposes. When all the time, right there, they were always in his book, in scripture. And as I began to apply myself to scripture and let that guide me, it would change my wiring. You know, it began to change the way that my mind thinks. So instead of thinking in human ways with the pattern that everyone else has given to me, I begin to think in godly ways. That's what happened to Josiah. All that programming that he'd had from his father, his grandfather, the nation around him, the practices at the time. Now suddenly he comes in and he learns what God has to say. He reads the book. It changes him. It rewires him. It makes him think differently. 
And as a result, he starts living out that word. And when the word of God says, don't compromise with sin. Don't compromise with wickedness. Don't compromise with the way that everyone else lives. Live holy. Live glorifying to God. He begins to live this out. And so he starts these reforms. He tears down the poles, uh, the Asherah poles, and the the satanic sites in his own nation, the nation of Judah. And he he clears the whole place. It's just the most amazing reform that's ever happened. And he gets so into it that he goes north into the northern kingdom of Israel. And he begins to reform there too. He goes to Bethel because this was this kind of outrageous site of cultic worship. And he goes and starts tearing down altars and he starts desecrating them with human bones so that they can't be used by anybody else. This is where we finish the story. It says this. Even the altar at Bethel, the high place made by Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had caused Israel to sin, even that altar and high place he demolished. He burnt the high place and ground it to powder and burnt the Asherah pole also. Then Josiah looked around, and when he saw the tombs that were there on the hillside, he had the bones removed from them and burnt on the altar to defile it in accordance with the word of the Lord, proclaimed by the man of God who foretold these things. Then he looks around and he says this. The king asked, what is that tombstone I see? The people of the city said, it marks the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and pronounced against the altar of Bethel the very things you've done to it. Leave it alone, he said. Don't let anyone disturb his bones. Whenever I read this, the hairs on the back of my neck go up because Josiah is living the plan of God. And here's the thing that you need to understand about God's plan. It is almost never a kind of thing that's dumped on you from heaven that you have to carry around like a big burden. But it is always the way where we do the things that God is leading and putting into our hearts. And then we kind of discover after the fact, oh my goodness, this was God's plan all along. And for Josiah, he does these things, not because there was a great voice from heaven, not because it was written or proclaimed. He had no idea, but he just did the things that came naturally out of a person who seeks God's presence and lives God's word. When we seek God's presence, when we live God's word, we will inevitably find ourselves fulfilling the plan that he always had for us. And so Josiah is there. He's desecrated. He's defiled the altar. It will never be used for those heinous things ever again. There'll never be any more child sacrifice. There'll never be any more darkness and and all the kind of depravity that go along with it. Now people will turn back to God. And as he sees this tomb, he says, what's that tomb? And the people come out and they say, We can't believe it. It's a bit like the passage in Back to the Future where the um, DeLorean comes and the guy gets, you know that bit where they they were expecting him and we've been waiting and we were lawyers and for 50 years we had an envelope for you. Never mind. Um, But he comes and the people come to him and they said, 400 years ago, you took your time. 400 years ago. And he said, I had no idea. I was just doing what came naturally when I seek God's presence and I live God's word. I lived a compromised life as a Christian. I called myself a Christian. I went to church. I knew all the songs. I knew all the times, the motions, the actions, sit up, stand. I knew when to do whatever. But really my life was divided. 
But I came to a point in my life as a young Christian, in my early kind of years growing up and and following Jesus, where I began to be captivated by the love of God, and I began to seek God for myself. I began to devote time day by day to being in his presence. And out of that, I started to read scripture and then live by it. It changed the way that I spoke. It changed the, the, the language in my mouth. It changed the way that I acted around women. It changed the way that I acted in parties. I found myself just changing And in fact, it got so much into me that I read God's word that God loves all the world and wants everyone to know him. And I began to just be burdened with the things that burden God, that we have to go out. We can't stay in church. And I'd say to people in church, we've got to go and and help all those other people that don't know Jesus to find Jesus. I preached my first message. I was 17 years old. I preached my first message at school. Five people were there. Four of them became Christians. It was Friday lunchtime in the geography classroom. I went to church the next time and I told my story. And a guy came up to me afterwards. He was like this really well-known preacher and minister of the gospel. He said, Philip, I want you when you leave school to come and to join my team and to go around the world preaching the good news of Jesus because I believe that God has called you for that. I believe that God has called you as an evangelist. That's just a fancy name and term for someone that tells people about Jesus. I went home, I told my parents. I said, Mom, Dad, Lowell thinks that I have the gift of an evangelist. They said to me this, son, that's great. Before you were born, God spoke to your father and I. We were going to give you a completely different name if you were a boy. But actually God spoke to us and said, no, you should call him Philip after Philip the evangelist in the Bible, the only person in the Bible who's named as an evangelist. And God spoke to us as your parents and said, give him the name Philip because he's going to be an evangelist and he's going to preach the gospel. And we didn't want to put any pressure on you, but 17 years later, you found it out for yourself. Well done, you're caught up. And I've been preaching the gospel ever since. And I'm no one special, I'm no one different. My circumstances have not been perfect. But I, just like everybody who knows and loves Jesus, I've discovered that God has a plan for my life. And it wasn't that someone came and said, right, do this, be like that, behave this way. It was just that when you seek God and when you live by his word, then you cannot help but find his plan and purpose for your life. And so when we look back at the life of Josiah, the Bible has this to say. So let's go back to that last passage from Josiah. It says this, not that one, the one before. (laughs) Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his strength, in accordance with all the law of Moses. And I want to ask you this question. Are you wholehearted or are you holding back? Josiah was someone who was wholehearted. And we can either be wholehearted in our faith like Josiah and discover God's plan for our lives or we hold back. And some of you, you're holding back because you're still kind of new to this whole Christian thing. Actually, at a certain point, you need to go in feet first, full on, wholehearted. Because God has got such great things for you, such a plan, such a purpose for your life. You only discover it if you give yourself wholehearted. What does that look like? We said it before. You seek God's presence You live God's way. 
For some of us in Metro, that means that you get into hub life. You commit yourself to it. For others, it means that you get into mentoring. You find someone that can mentor you and say, look, help me live God's word. Help me follow God wholeheartedly because I want to discover the great things that he has for me. I'd like us to pray. But just before we do that, I just want to flip back into the New Testament because we said that the Old Testament illustrates things and the New Testament articulates them. For me, Josiah was just the most mind-blowing, incredible example of someone who seeks God's presence and lives God's word and discovers God's plan for their life. Who is so wholeheartedly after God that he will not back down until he knows God for himself. When he discovers the word of God, it changes him. He doesn't conform to the pattern laid down by his ancestors, but he changes his whole life around. He's informed. His mind is renewed by the word of God. And that's how he finds God's plan. And when Paul wrote to the Christians in the early church in Rome, He said this to them, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You give yourself over to God as a a living sacrifice. That's wholehearted, seeking after God. You don't conform to the pattern of the world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's living God's word. Letting God's word influence you, change you, remake you, remold your thought patterns. And then you experience God's presence. Then you experience God's plan. You'll be able to test it and experience it, approve it, and find that it is good, pleasing, and perfect. We don't often know God's plan. We more often experience God's plan. So I want to pray for us right now. I want to pray with that question to you. Are you wholehearted for God or are you holding back? If you've been on the edge of Christianity for some time, now's the time to start moving forward, to pick it up another gear. We've got our Alpha course starting next month and we'll let you know more about that as we go along. But it may be that you are a Christian, but you've been holding back. It may be that you feel so desperate. You feel like your plans and the the idea that God has a plan for you, it can't possibly be because what you've experienced and the the disappointment and the knockbacks that you've faced. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God would show and reveal his plan to us. So right now, where you are, just close your eyes. And if you want to be included in this plan, in this prayer, just lift your hands to heaven. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God to just lead us in a way that we can understand for ourselves. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the life of Josiah. I thank you for that incredible shining example of an individual who seeks your presence and lives your word and discovers your plan for their life. Father, I pray for everyone that's on the edge of faith, a little bit on the outside looking in. I pray for every single one that's watching this right now, wherever they are, I pray that they would know the life of God. I pray that you'd speak to them and reveal yourself to them. And I pray for us, Lord God, as individuals who are following you the best of our ability.
I pray that right now we would experience your plan. I want to pray for every single person who is just feeling devastated, like the plans that they had for themselves have fallen to the ground. I pray that you would know God's plan. I pray that you'd be able to concentrate in seeking God, not seeking answers. In living by God's word, not living by the fear that you find around you. And I pray that God would lead you and guide you into your destiny, the good things that he has prepared for you since the creation of the world. In the name of Jesus, amen.